Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Elizabeth. Anyway, I we're, for the rest of this season of Lit, we're going to be talking about how it is that Christians take a stand. We're confronted with these situations and, and these events, and at some point you just got to stand up and say no, or yes, or wait a minute, or, or, or any number of things, but, but I wanted to begin this morning with, um, it takes a lot of courage to stand, up, to stand for something, right? It takes a lot of courage to push back when, when all these things are swirling around you, and, and you know that they're just not right, and you know that you need to speak out, but you might be afraid to. But, but anyway, what we're going to look at this morning um, in Luke chapter 13 is, is what it means to take a stand in a Christ-like way. And we have this event, and it's kind of a dark event. Uh, Lent tends to have that um, kind of undertones of the cross, waiting for Christ. And so it's a bit of a dark passage, but, but in it, Jesus is showing us how it is we take a stand. So if you will, please stand. We'll practice with that. Please stand for this reading of the gospel from Luke. At every hour, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet yet today... And tomorrow and the next day, I will then be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophet and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me again until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, it's interesting, on my way to church this morning, I... um, Got a text from one of my cousins who is a huge Carolina fan. (laughs) Huge Carolina fan. And she said to me, are you wearing that other blue in church today? (laughs) No, I'm not. You know, it is St. Patrick's Day. And, and, you know, sometimes I think we just need to leave division on the court. Sometime we need to leave those opposing sides on the field, the court, wherever it is that that sport happens, and it's appropriate to be somewhat divided. It's appropriate to cheer for your team and and to wish that the other team would lose. I get that. It was appropriate me to cheer for the devils on Friday and Saturday night, and yet come here and proclaim Jesus on Sunday morning. (laughs) Now, I get there's, there's some irony in that. I, I understand. I get it. But in a world such of, as ours, and especially as we saw this week coming out of New Zealand, where there are people who enact violence, 
because of perceived differences among human beings? Maybe that's the time we need to stand up and say that's not the way Jesus would have us live this life. That's not the way Christians are called to embody love incarnate. Jesus has shown us the way. Jesus has faced opposition. Jesus could have done anything right up until the point when he was hanging on the cross. And the thief told him, call down your bands of angels. They'll save you now. Jesus could have done it. And yet he was very purposeful. He was very singly minded consumed, if you will, with this love for humanity. Even those who took opposing sides of one way or another. Jesus did not sow division. And God help us, the people of God aren't to do that either. It is incumbent upon us to stand for love, for grace, for mercy for forgiveness, for welcome. And he shows us how even as he's making his way to Jerusalem, even as he is facing what he must face, as he prepares himself again for this dark journey that will end in the cross. You know, it's interesting. um, Every once in a while I burst some bubbles around here. I know that and I apologize for that, I suppose. But I'm going to burst your bubble this morning about St. Patrick. There never were any snakes in Ireland. And as far as we can tell, St. Patrick didn't use the shamrock to teach the pagans about Christianity. Although they they make good stories. It's a good legend. But but the real story of St. Patrick is far more interesting than any legend that we have come up with. Far more interesting demonstrative, if you will, of the courage it takes to face the opposition, to face your foe, to face those even who would persecute you, call you out, demean you. This is what Patrick did. When he was a teenager, he was kidnapped from his family farm in England He's a son of a wealthy Roman centurion who who was overseeing that, that area of England. And he was kidnapped as he was working in the fields and taken to Ireland as a slave. And in Ireland, he worked and toiled and was mistreated for six years until he escaped. And then I love this. We are told, and there are two letters that remain from St. Patrick. 1,500-year-old letters. And in that, he describes how he escaped from captivity and then boarded a pirate ship. Isn't that great? It's better than a snake or whatever. Anyway, he boarded a pirate ship to make it back home. Back to his life of wealth and privilege. Back to his life where everything was in order. I mean, you know, his father was a soldier. Everything had to make sense and line up. But instead of staying in that life of privilege, St. Patrick had the experience of the Holy Spirit. And in that conversion, he felt a call to return to those who had hurt him. He felt a call to go back to Ireland to bring the gospel to a pagan country in the 400s. He knew that he had a message that these people, perhaps in bondage of their own hate, 
He knew he had a message that they needed to hear. So St. Patrick had the courage to go back and to stand up for gospel, for love, and to find find a way to offer salvation to those who had heard him. I mean, that, that's pretty good stuff. That's the kind of example that, that the saints offer. And, and, and in our tradition, the saints are anybody who believe in Christ, profess a faith in Christ, live in a way that offers an example of faithfulness to Jesus. And so we broaden out that understanding of what it means to be a saint. And yet we get that it means that we have a life to live in the imitation of Christ right here and now, even when we are called to share love with the oppressor, to share love with those who disagree, to share love with those who hate. It's a tall order, I'm telling you. I know it. It's a tall order, and yet Jesus did it. And other believers through the millennia have done it as well. And it's ours to do now. This world is so divided in far more ways than whichever basketball team you're cheering for. We're called to stand up and to speak out. And it takes a lot of courage to do so. Now, I love this text. It's just a great story. Five little verses in which Jesus gives us an example of what it means to stand up and to stand up, uh, out for what is right in, in the way of God and the way of love in this world. He is facing Jerusalem, and he knows what that means. And as we are on the other side of Easter, we know what it means too. And we have to dwell a little bit in the pre-Easter story so that we can understand the strength that it took for him to get to Calvary and the courage that it took for him to stay on the path, to be committed to the purpose and to be part of God, to be God, absolutely, in the redemption story of the world. So these five short verses, they're great because Jesus offers up two very opposing views of what it is he's facing. And the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you got to get out of here. You got to run. Herod's after you. Now, the Pharisees have never been Jesus' friends. And you wonder what their alternative, ulterior motives is when they come to Jesus with warnings of Herod. He's after you. He's going to kill you. You know he'll do it, Jesus. This is a bad guy. You know it, Jesus. And and we're here to help you get out of here. And that's where the light goes off. Pharisees don't want Jesus around. He knows that. He knows that he threatens their power. He knows that they threaten, he threatens their authority, their way of life, their interaction with the people of God. And so he quickly dismisses Herod. He says, you go and tell that fox, I don't care what he's going to do. Right? You tell that fox. That sly, unprincipled man in charge that I'm here for a far different reason than he could ever understand. Go and tell him that. And You know, that had to disappoint the Pharisees. Have you ever been around one of those folks or some of those people who like to share bad news? Right? 
Oh, they like having the scoop. They like being able to be the first ones, even if it's bad news, to share it with whoever they think is important to share it with. Have you ever been around folks like that? Oh, Jesus, we're here for you. We're going to help you get out of here. And Jesus says, nope, not going to do it. That's not why I'm here. That's not my purpose. And I am going to stick to what God has called me to do, to what I, as God in your midst, am committed to doing. Go and tell that fox, doesn't matter to me what he says. Doesn't matter to me what you say, whatever your motives are. I know who I am. I know who I am. And I know what I'm here for. I think one of the ways that courage begins is knowing who we are. And then when we feel threatened by some other force, when we feel threatened by some other person, we know and we can claim our own belovedness. And that in and of itself gives us the strength to stand up and stand for something. To stand for love. To stand for grace. When you know who you are, you have the courage to choose to confront whatever division it is that seeks to manipulate and control your life and say, I'm not playing that game. Even with the likes of Herod. That's not who I am. You know, Maya Angelou says something to the effect of, courage is the most important virtue Because unless you have courage, you cannot practice any other virtue consistently. Courage is our most important virtue because without courage, we can't practice any of the other virtues consistently. It makes sense. Of all the good things in our lives, of all the ways that God is seeking to move in and through us, of all the ways that we can offer an opportunity for relationship with Christ to others of all the ways we are called to be. Unless we have courage, again, we can't do that consistently. And so Jesus here gives us that example of courage in facing Herod. And I love this. He says, you know, go tell that fox, this isn't going to bother me. This isn't going to stop me. I'm going to continue doing what I'm here to do. I'm going to continue being who God has called me to be. I'm going to continue going my own way, doing my own thing. I'm going to continue to cast out demons and perform cures because that's what I'm here to do. And I think that is so much more than just in the physical sense. I'm here to cast out demons and offer cures to whatever it is that ails us. And whatever it is that ails this world of which we are a part. I'm here to be the solution to evil. I'm here to be the solution to illness, spiritual, emotional, physical. It takes courage for us to follow that lead of Christ. And to understand ourselves as a holy option to what the world deals out. And to understand ourselves as part of that redemption story. Yep, go tell Herod. It doesn't matter to me what he says. Go tell Herod. He can do his best. Do his worst. I'm going to do what God has created me to do. I am beloved. 
by God. And there's really no other identity that I need to seek. And there certainly is no one else other than God that I need to please. I am here to do what God has called me to do. And so on the one hand, Jesus confronts Herod and says, I'm often out. It doesn't matter. You go do your own thing. He's telling the Pharisees the same thing. You can't manipulate me. You can't use me as a weapon, as a tool. You can't dismiss me because that's not what God has created me for. And then Christ goes into this loving proclamation, even on his way to Jerusalem, even on his way to face the cross. He knows what's getting ready to happen. A prophet can't be killed outside of Jerusalem, and I must go, Jesus says. I must go anyway. And so he faces Jerusalem in all her death-dealing ways, and he says perhaps one of the most tender Things we hear in all of Scripture. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who persecute and kill prophets, how I long to gather you beneath my wings as a mother hen gathers her brood. That's poetry. That's metaphor. That is how God even continues to love those who have and will persecute him. It's how God continues to respond to those who have ulterior motives, to those who are stuck in the ways of the world rather than on that holy path. Oh, Jerusalem, you are so out of line. Oh, Jerusalem, you're only going to damage yourselves. Oh, I mean, you can just feel Christ's emotions. How I long to gather you beneath my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks. It's protective, right? When there's threat out there, even when that threat is internal, there's that protection that Christ longs to offer all of us, not just those of us who live in Jerusalem. How I long to gather you up, to love you even still especially when you're out to hurt yourselves. You know that knot you get in your stomach when somebody you love is doing something and you know it's only going to hurt them, possibly others, but for sure them, and you just don't know what to say and you just tense up and all you want to do is gather that person around you with your arms and bring them in and offer them the option of protection and grace and love. And it takes courage to do so. It takes courage to invite others back into your presence, a presence that is loving and forgiving and, when necessary, protective. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And so on the one hand, while it takes courage to face your foes, it takes even more courage sometimes to call out your beloveds to call out the people of God, to call out those who should know better. Those who have a long history of messing up and getting it wrong, and yet you are willing to offer them because Christ does. We are willing to offer them yet another chance. Yet another 
option of mercy and forgiveness. Jerusalem, I know what you're going to do to me. And yet I long to bring you into my presence, protect you even from yourselves. I love that image of a hen. What else is a parent going to do? Mother, father, what else is a parent going to do but continue to love their child and perhaps love them even more when they're out to hurt themselves? Welcome them back yet again. Remind them of their belovedness. All the more, all the more when they're about to really step in it. Jerusalem, how I long to gather you up as a mother hen would gather her chicks beneath her wings. What a beautiful image. And he offers them these last words that again speak to such hope. I tell you, I will, you will not see me again until you are ready to say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord who offers you this forgiveness, who offers you this mercy. Will you yet even still accept it? I'm on this dark road, I'm on this dark path, and yet even on my trek, I have the courage to stand up those who would oppose me. I have the courage to stand up those who I've loved for a really long time and invite them back in again and again and again and again and again and again. Oh, Jerusalem, don't do this to yourself. I'm ready as often as it takes to love you back. You know, a lot is asked of us as God's people. I know that. And some days we get it right or more right than others. Some days we're more faithful than others. Some day we, days we are that little chick who needs to be gathered beneath her mother's wings. Brought back into the brood yet again when we've wandered off. And perhaps that takes a little bit of courage as well. To admit our own need and to be willing to walk back into the loving arms of a Savior. To be willing to understand how outside of faithfulness we sometimes venture, and yet be willing to accept that welcome back. That not only takes courage, that takes a lot of humility. And yet, wherever we are on that journey... Whatever we're doing in direct opposition of what God intends for us, it happens even among God's people. And whether we're willing to offer on this journey love and grace and mercy to the likes of Jerusalem, to the likes whom we love so much and who are just stepping in it over and over, betraying even themselves and what God intends for them, and perhaps even understand ourselves as those in desperate need of God's welcome back. Where are we in this journey? The good news is no matter where we are, those loving arms are open. It takes a lot of courage to speak up and out on the side of love. It takes a lot of courage to speak up and out on the side of grace. It takes a lot of courage to speak up and out for forgiveness and mercy. It takes a lot of courage to accept it for ourselves. God help us.
Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we sometimes are your wayward chicks. We sometimes are running about not knowing whether the sky is falling or not, not knowing the circumstances are that of our own making or the circumstances are far beyond our abilities to control. But Lord, we know that even as you call on us to offer grace and mercy and love to others, you also call on us to accept it for ourselves, so help us. Help us be faithful to the call to return to you this day so that we may continue on this journey of life with courage, the willingness and the commitment to take a stand wherever it is we need to. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can join us each week at our 945 Contemporary Service or our 830 and 11 Traditional. You can always visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.